Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. I want to I wanna share with you something really short. I know, uh, by the way, next Friday we're not going to have service because it's Christmas. And so uh, so next Friday we won't be here. Um, we're all going to have, you know, spend time with the family. You guys are going to be celebrating Jesus' birthday. Yes, yes. Woo. All right. Make it up. Make it up. I mean, make the purpose that, you know, in Christmas Day, don't forget about the Christmas, you know, about the birthday boy. Like, you know what I mean? It's his birthday. So anyway, so I want to share with you something super quick because I believe that I also, I so went to that encounter. I went, I was there and, uh, you know, I remember when I was praying for Bertha, man, that was fire. Literally. It was so crazy. I wild, really, really cool. You know, and I can tell you testimonies and we can speak about different things that God did in different people. I mean, Kevin, I don't know if he's here tonight or if you're online. Are you here, Kevin? Where's Kevin at? Kevin's like, maybe 280 pounds. I don't know. He's huge. You know, and he's this big, big muscle guy. He, he, you know, I remember the beginning of the encounter, he was back there like this. He looked like the bouncer of the encounter just back there in the chairs. But little by little, he started moving forward on the chairs. And at the end of the encounter, he was at the front row and just receiving. And he's like, Pastor, I I'm the first to get baptized on Sunday, all right? I was like, yes, sir. You know, and it was just like, he, it's just so beautiful to see what God began to do in his life. And he's like fasting, he's praying for his family, you know, uh, from this big guy who, who obviously, you know, it's not just the size. It's just our lives, our lives. You know, we go through so many things in life. Uh, but we can run from God, but I love a God who's faster than me and who's stronger than me and who can catch up to me. Am I making sense? He's a father and he loves you. And I just want to tell you this, that there's a story in the Bible. It's called the prodigal son. You've seen it. You've heard of it, right? Where this son goes to the father. He has everything at home. Kind of like what, you know, uh, what some of the people you heard were saying, you know, I, I had God, I, God was, I went to church, but I didn't realize his presence. I didn't, I didn't realize all that I had. And this is what was happening in this, in the father's house. He had two sons, maybe more, but at least two sons. And one of them, the younger son goes up to him and says, dad, I want all my inheritance. I want everything. I want to go live my life my way. I know you're, you know, you, you gave me everything, but uh, I can't wait till you die. So give me what you're supposed to give me when you die. Give it to me now. How selfish is that? How wrong is that? Fathers, mothers, how would you like it if your son comes to you and says, you know what, I can't wait for you to die. Give me what you're supposed to give me now. Because you're taking too long. And the son takes all the money that the father gives him, his, his inheritance. And he spends it in loose living. He goes to the, the, the Vegas of the times. And what happens there doesn't stay there. You guys know that. This guy was messed up. He lost all his friends. He lost all his money. The Bible says that he began to work. He began to beg for food and he did, nobody would give him. And so he ended up working for a guy with, with pigs and he was taking care of pigs. You have to understand that for a Jewish person, this is the most, the most, in Spanish we call in mundo. I don't know what you say in English. I wish I had more language in here. Uh, the most profane. He's not supposed to touch that. He's not supposed to eat it. He's not supposed to be near it. And here he's, Hugging them. Here he's caring for them. Here he's feeding them. 
Not only that, the Bible says that he was so hungry. Listen, he was so hungry, he began to eat the pig's foods. The pig's food. He was so hungry, he began to eat whatever the pigs were eating. From being in his father's house, having everything provided for, the love of the father above everything else, the care, the protection, the provision. Instead, he decided to do things his way. And sometimes I talk to people and I would want to ask them, how's your way working out for you? But out of the love that I have in my heart for them, I don't ask it that way. Instead, I would like to ask you today, have you understood yet that your way is not sufficient? Here's what happens. We all want freedom. But the only true freedom there is, is not freedom to do whatever you want, but it's freedom to do the right thing. True freedom is a freedom to choose right. No matter what, every single one of us at some point have to understand that we will serve. Sounds really weird right now, but that young man, he didn't just, he was serving his father at some point. He was under his father's house, but then he went to serve the master of the pigs. He began to serve the mundane. He began to serve and he dragged them lower and lower and deeper and deeper and dirtier and dirtier. And at that point, I think is where many people find themselves and pride doesn't let you get off the pigsty. Let me repeat that again. It actually rhymes. Pride doesn't get, no, it doesn't really rhyme. Pride doesn't get, let you get out of the pigsty. I wonder at some point if he said, you know what? I'd rather eat this than eat my pride. I'd rather stay here than see my, my brother say, I told you so. I'd rather stay here than see my father and perhaps he would reject me. Or perhaps my father would look at me with eyes like, you should have never left me. I'd rather have this than the speech. But at some point, I believe that maybe it was his stomach that was growling enough, or maybe it was his heart that was throbbing, or it was his mind that just he was losing it. But he said, at some point, I have to go back to my father's house. I have to return to my dad. And I don't know, but the Bible doesn't say this, but I think he began to rehearse a speech, a, well, a coming back speech. Uh, dad, I'm sorry. No, no, I can't say that. Father, yes, that's more respectful. He deserves that. Oh, Father. Please forgive me. I can't just jump into that. I have to tell him all that I've done. These are all the things I've done, Father. Maybe I'm not worthy to be called your son. And I think he had this whole speech, you know, rehearsed in his mind. And the Bible says that when he was far away, yet far away, the Father recognized him. Now listen to this. You may not read this in the story, but it's there. That God, just as his Father, was waiting for him. How did the father see him from so far away? I believe this man waited at the porch. I think he waited outside for his son to come home. I think he saw the horizon and he was expecting to see his silhouette. I don't know if you know people this way. I know some people enough to know who they are by the way they walk. Am I making sense? They say this. I don't know if it's true. I can't recognize it. My son stands exactly like me. And that he moves like me. That when, I, when they see Elijah, like, it's so weird. And when he says, he look, he look, he walks like you. Like, he sits like you. He even runs like you. I'm like, really? Is that true, Georgie? I don't see it. But I, I think so, right? But listen to this. Okay, this guy was so far away. And the father immediately knew, hey, that's my boy right there. And the Bible says, listen to this. The Bible says that this old man, this old man grabbed his, you know, his, his, uh, I don't know what you call kilt. Let's just call it a kilt. You know, he grabbed his stuff and he began to run towards his boy. He began to run towards his son. When I'm telling you this right now, right here, I want you to always remember this. That maybe some fathers in this earth would wait for that long walk of shame for their sons to bring all their stuff. 
here. You're going to come here. And you're going to tell me exactly what went down to see if you really learned your lesson. But the Bible says that he ran to his son as to what? To say, welcome into my arms. The Bible says that he ran to his son. I don't know if his son was so, maybe at first he thought he was going to kill him. At the first he thought he had a huarache in his hand, like a, like a sandal in his hand. I don't know what he thought, but I know that when he was close enough to see it, he saw the love in his eyes. Bible says that the father threw his arms around his son. He grabbed him and began to kiss him. I don't know what he whispered, but the other day I was at a wedding and this is what I saw. I saw a son getting married. I saw Chris getting married to Vero. And it was so beautiful to see how their parents would hug them and then they would do the dance thing. And, and I don't know what they're saying to them. See, I, I don't know what they've, what they're, what, I don't know if they're saying, you look so beautiful today or, or he better take care of you. I'm going to come after him. I don't know what they're saying, but, but, <laughs> but I think, I think it could be this such a beautiful moment. I'm not a romantic, you know, that I, I don't, you know, I'll do that, but it's so magical. You know, it's like the, everybody's watching and then they're there and, and they're just hugging and you see the mom and the dad start crying. The tears start falling down. It's such a perfect moment. And I think of that, and I go back to that story, and I see these two people hugging. I'm like, what did you tell him? And the Bible says, the Bible says that the father didn't just say any stuff. He gave him some things. He gave him three simple things, three items. He called to his servants and said, bring me this, bring me this, and bring me this. Three things that I want you to never forget. Never. The first thing the father gave the son. He gave him his robe because the man, when he came, I don't know if he was, you know, half naked. I don't know if he was just all tore up his garments, but what he said to him, I give you now my robe. If you study the scriptures enough, you will realize that these are the garments of grace. That when a, a father would give his robe, it says, there, I give you my grace. I don't know if you remember the story of this one son who had a robe of many colors, which meant the grace of the father was upon him, which his brothers hated him for. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says that you have an old nature, but you would be clothed with Christ. The Bible speaks of a new garment, like when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and they tried to sew for themselves their own garments of leaves. And that stuff rots away. Instead, the Lord clothed them with the sacrifice of an animal. He gave them pleather pants. <laughs> he gave them robes. He gave them something to cover themselves with. As the sun comes... Broken, messed up, doing his own thing. The father gives him first grace. He covers him. He says, now, from here on out, you're not a beggar. You're my son. He gives him this, this robe of identity of grace. He says, this is who you are. Listen, please. Listen for a second. We are many times thinking that if we do enough, then God will take us and God will love us. If we have enough of this, enough of that. I need you to understand something so clear, CFF, and that is that God loves you already as much as he will ever love you. And there's nothing you can do that will get you to increase his love because his love is never ending. Amen. His love doesn't run out like the gas on these things. His love always burns for you. His love never, ever runs out. Amen. The Bible says this. That while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It didn't say that when you behaved better, Christ died for you. Or when you acted not so crazy, Christ died for you. It says while you were in your worst moments, the Lord was loving you to back to life. The clothes, the garment of righteousness, the garment of love, the garment of grace. 
But that doesn't stop right there. God doesn't just say, I love you, my son, that's all. He now says, now I give you my ring. And that ring is the authority of God. He gave him his ring. If you know anything about history, you know that the rings would seal letters. The rings were used as authority. If somebody would bear the ring of the king, he had the authority, the investment of the king, the support of the king. So the prodigal son received the robe of grace and he received the authority of God. What does that mean? That you're not a person without power. I love to listen to stories of people coming up after they encounter God. They see how worthy they are. Bertha, you're so right. You don't deserve abuse. No child of God, no woman, no creation of God deserves an abuse. Do you know why, Bertha? Especially you, because you're worth one crucified Christ. Because everything about you says, I love you. What God has done for every single one of us, he didn't only cover you with grace. Now he gives you his authority. Now he gives you the strength to say, I don't have to live like that anymore. He gives you the strength to say, I don't have to be live under the power of nicotine. I don't have to be depressed. I have the authority from heaven to speak and to say what God calls me to say. I love to see this. This is not an arrogance point. It's an authority that comes from God and not from yourself. Listen to this. Authority doesn't mean I have authority over someone. Authority means this. I understand the value that rests within me. I don't have to feel less than anybody. I don't have to feel like I have to compete for anything. My God has given me everything already. And I work out of that identity. Authority from God is not to put others down. Authority from God is to raise generations for him. It's to raise the fallen, to raise to not feel well today, and that you would have the authority to speak life into their lives. The authority to pray for somebody, the authority to tell somebody, I know you think you're this way, but God loves you so much, and he has the last word. Amen. Authority. And the last thing is sandals. He gave them sandals. He gave them new kicks. This guy came without sandals because back then, I don't know if you know, but it's the same way. Thank you, Jody. The same way as today. Sandals mean purpose. Sandals mean where your feet will take you. God gave them grace. He gave them authority. But dear encounter people and people that just came back from encounter and people that one day had had an encounter with God. And if you one day want to encounter God, here's one thing that God will give you. He'll give you purpose in your life. Not only peace, not only power, not only forgiveness, but he'll give you purpose. The purpose of God is so powerful. So many people are so powerless because they simply lack purpose. Not because they're not good at anything. There's just no purpose to their lives. I had so many friends that were so gifted, but they were just frustrated. Frustrated. It's like having a V8, no, a V12. An engine that roars, but no steering wheel. Nowhere to go. I'm going to ask you Christians, I'm going to ask you sons and daughters of God, the purpose of your life, is it really simply to make it through 2020? Is that really the purpose? Is the purpose really to wait for a vaccine? Is that really the purpose? Is the purpose to get a better job and somehow, some way, get enough in your 401k? Oh, what is the purpose? I'm asking you, really, to buy a house, to have 2.5 kids, a picket fence, a Tesla, I was telling Eoni, my, my, my truck is a Tesla. Este es, es Tesla, I said. Esa es la que tiene que tener cables porque se te queda de nazque. Es Tesla. This is, this is a truck, but that's not the point. I don't care that my job, my, my desire, my purpose, your purpose is not just to get a Tundra. Hello, guys. Or to get married. Some of you guys are, oh, really? Oh, come on. That's part of the function in your life. You will function as a wife. You'll function as a father, as a son. 
Perhaps you'll function as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a business owner, as a marine. You'll function in many different ways. But your purpose, your purpose doesn't depend on your function. Because when the kids leave your house, then what do you have left? Because what if tragedy strikes? Your, your purpose stands above it all. What is your purpose? Two simple things. God said it the best. Love the Lord your God with all your might, all your heart, and all your soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? If you love God, you live for him. If you love God, you obey him. If you love God, you hate what he hates and you love what he loves. If you love God, his heart belongs to you. And yours belongs to him. And that's a journey. That's not an easy process. That's why you and I need each other. We need the word of God and those that remind us of it. But the loving people, and this is where I finish, loving people looks exactly what you just saw up here. I love, absolutely love what Damari said about Louis and Natalie. Because see, we all think we can do it on our own. But maybe God didn't create us to be on our own. Maybe God said it is not good for man to be alone. Maybe God created us social beings. Maybe God created us people that, yes, we understand it now more than ever. We need each other. We desperately need one another. And we don't need one another just to party or just to have fun. We need one another to strengthen each other as iron sharpens iron. We need one another, listen to this please, to remind each other who our Father is and what He's done for us. The Bible is so clear. Very, very clear. Today, this night, this evening, the Father waits for you with open arms. Pastor, I just had my encounter. I don't know about you. I want to have many encounters with God. I don't want a one-night stand. I want a full-on relationship with my Lord. Amen. This is saying, God, come on, give God a round of applause. Why not? The purpose of God, loving Him, and that's where a lot of churches stop. I just want to worship God. I just want to worship the Lord. I just want to, my relationship with Him. That's awesome. That's great. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to begin to think that life in the world is about you. And that's not where Jesus stopped. That's where the Pharisees would stop. But Jesus came to take it a next level, a whole nother level. You want to be my disciple? Come after me and pick up my cross. What? You know where that cross leads? Golgotha, the skull, death. Why in the world would you ask that of me? Because the same thing he told Peter, he's telling you, if you love me, go care for my sheep. If you love me, take care of my sheep. If you love me, take care of my lambs. What does that mean? To love God is to love people as well. When you love somebody that doesn't know God and has a future in hell, then you share the love of God with them. But when you love a Christian, what do you do? You stop loving them. There's still purpose in there. What do you do? You disciple them. What is discipleship? Restoring God's order back into their lives. How? Through the obedience of the scripture. It's not difficult to understand, but it takes a process to live. It takes annoyance, meaning you will be annoyed. By people's downfalls. And that's where the grace of God will come over your life to bless somebody and to help them back to life. To encounter God daily. To love God is beautiful. And to love people completes it. To love people is what a lot of the churches are missing. And so we turn inward and we think we could just do it online. You could do it online if you only needed to love God. But you need to love people as well. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there's not a moment. I'm saying, hey... Like I said, next week we're not going to be here. We'll love your family. Pray for them. Give them whatever you have. Share your love with God, of God to them with your actions. And whenever needed, possible, whenever needed, words. Preach with your actions. Then words come. I have to remind you, 
something so simple. God covered you with his grace. He's given you his authority so you can walk in his steps. Amen. I want to bless you tonight. I just want to pray for you that the, the last couple weeks of this, this year, week and a half that we have left in this year. Is it two weeks left? Three weeks? I'm tripping. Please just say two weeks. Whatever is left of this year, that you take this time and say, God, I know that things don't change just because the number changes. How many guys know that's true? People I can't wait for 2020. It's going to end, but what's going to change? I want to ask you to do something, to make a decision. Make a decision to live in the grace of God, with the authority of God, and in the purpose of God. That you really do return back to the Father's house. There are many Christians, many Christians, Jesus, that are like the older son. They were always at the Father's house. They're always there. But they don't realize the love of the Father. They don't care about His purpose. They don't love his kids. They don't love the people that leave. They don't care. You know what I know? The Bible doesn't say it's not thick enough, but I know this. I believe this older son knew exactly where the, where the younger son was. I, have a, I just have a, a feeling because a, a brother always knows where a brother is. Don't you know? Do you know what I'm saying or no? Hey, where's your brother? I don't know. You sure? Yeah, no. I, no, no. You know exactly where he's at. You got the text message. Is it true or no? You're probably going to, hey, you know where your brothers are. Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? I think the heart of God hurts for those older sons that are still at home. Dear Christians, today is an amazing, amazing day to say, God, use my life. Use me in this season. Like I said, next week we won't have service, but today, today, we're going to give everything to God. That God would use the rest of this year with us, through us, in our families, in our, in our loved ones. You don't have to annoy them. You don't have to hit them with the Bible. That's weird. Like, you know, you know, don't go, hey, brother, you know, don't burn their CDs. None of that weird stuff. Yes? You don't have to be that kind of person. Love them. You know, nobody argued me into Christianity. No one. If somebody argues you into the Lord, they can argue you out of it. You have to have an encounter with God. And you may be the only church they ever go to. So this is the time where you say, God, use my life. Whatever it is, it's not just about me anymore. I want to love you with everything. And I want to love people with everything I have. Amen. Close your eyes and let's pray. Please stand up with me because I know it's cold. But let's just close it up like this. The last Friday of the year for us here. You know, next Sunday we're going to have baptisms. People are going to be up here, right here. With a very chlorinated water where it kills everything. They're going to come out blonde, bleached. Um, <laughs> we're going to be here and people are going to get baptized. And it's simply a decision to say, yeah, come on, give God a round of applause. That's awesome. These people, though, they have decided to follow God. They've decided to make a public proclamation. But you know what the coolest thing is that I don't do the baptisms. I, I officiate him. I'm there putting my blessing. But the people that are baptizing are the people that are leading those people. The people that are investing and loving them and caring for them. The Louis, the Natalies, the Whitney's, the Doris's, the Georges, the Janets, the Franks, the Albas. Am I making sense? This church right here cannot be a church of older sons. We cannot be the church of the older son. Amen.
I love, I love my father. I love him so much because he welcomed me back. How could I not share with others what he's done for me? Church, let's pray. Ask God to help you to live in his grace, not condemnation, not anger, not sadness. Live under his grace. Have the freedom to be a son, not a slave, not a worker for him, that he'll be displeased. And No, 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 be a son. Have the freedom to step into his room at any time and have communion with him. Like my boys, they just, they don't care. They barge into the door, start jumping on my bed at whatever time it is. I want to have a church. I want to have brothers and sisters that have the same freedom to barge into the dad's room and just start having communion and fellowship with him and, and smiling with them and loving their God. Do not feel like there's a wall dividing them. Do not feel like they're going to get fired if they misbehave. Rather, they would live under the grace and the authority of God. But that the purpose of God would sanctify you. That the purpose of God will let you know that you were made for so much more than low living. Dear God, I thank you so much for CFF. I thank you for the, the battles we've waged this year. I thank you, God, because in this last Friday, for us, we've been faithful, but you have been even more faithful. I ask you, God, that you bless this, your kids. God, that just as you did with the prodigal son, that you killed the fattened calf, you sacrificed and you blessed and everyone near him celebrated. I pray, God, that the sacrifice of Jesus, that the sacrifice of the Lamb, that it would be something that would be a, an incredible reason for us to realize that we haven't only come home. We have been fully restored. Everything that He has is, access, is accessible to us. I pray, God, that tonight, everyone here, everyone under the sound of my voice, would learn how good you are, how graceful you are, what authority they have now in you, and that they will live the purpose of God. I thank you, Jesus, for everybody that went to encounter. I thank you, God, because you are there. Holy Spirit, you filled them. You healed them. You gave them vision. You gave them your love and your grace. But you continue to walk with us till the day that you call us home. Whenever that is, God, I say to you today in front of all my brothers and sisters, dear Jesus, you don't owe us anything. Dear God, you don't owe us anything. We owe you it all. You are the giver. And we just want to say, with whatever you give us, we want to just bless you and praise you. That our generations after us, the kids that come after us, God, would know that there's a God in heaven who's powerful and mighty to work through their parents. That they can see in us people that love you, Jesus. That they won't just hear sermons. They won't just hear people going to church. That they would experience your presence daily. Lord, thank you so much for this year. Thank you for the struggles. Thank you for everything that's happened. I do thank you, Lord. I thank you because it's led us back to the realization that we cannot do it without you. That we need you, Lord and Savior. May the United States of America come back to you, please. Let this nation turn back to you. That the world would know that there's a God in heaven that stands above it all. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a big round of applause. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, see you guys Sunday. Baptisms. And we love you guys very much. See you guys later. Vámonos.